essays thirteen and fourteen of the romance of the commonplace by gillette burgess this librivox recording is in the public domain essay thirteen the tyranny of the lares no i have never been tainted with a mania for collecting it has never particularly interested me because i already happen to have two of a kind to possess a third i prefer things to be different rather than alike and the few things i really care for i like for themselves alone and not because they are one of a family set or series but there are so few things to be envious of even then after one's necessities are provided for there are not many things worth possessing and fewer still worth the struggle of collecting acquisition seems to rob most things of their intrinsic value of the extreme desirability they seem to possess and yet it does not follow that the practice of collecting is not worth while it is worth while for itself but not for the things collected it is like hunting the enjoyment to your true sportsman does not depend entirely upon the game that is bagged if the hunter went out solely for the purpose of obtaining food he would better go to the nearest poulterer we have a habit of associating the idea of pleasure with the possession of certain objects and we fancy such pleasure is permanent but in nine cases out of ten the enjoyment is effervescent and the thing must be gazed at touched and admired while the charm is new then only can one feel the sharp joy of possession and even though its value remain as an object of art we must after that enjoy it impersonally its delight must be shared with other spectators as far as the satisfaction of ownership is concerned the thing is dead for us and though we would not give it up our greed gilds it but cheaply after all of all things pictures are most commonly regarded as giving pleasure a painting is universally regarded as a desirable possession of more or less value according to personal appreciation in fact most men would say that a poor picture is better than none since one of its recognized functions is to fill a space on the wall and yet how few pictures are looked at once a day or once a week how many persons accept them only as decoration as spots on the wall and pass them by in their familiarity as unworthy of especial notice but the collection of a multitude of things is no great oppression if one is permanently installed they pad out the comforts of life they create atmosphere they fill up spaces in the house as small talk fills up spaces in conversation the first prospect of moving however brings this horde of stupid useless dead things to life and they appear in their proper guise to strike terror into the heart of the owner pictures that have never been regarded curiosities that are only curious books that no longer feed the brain and the thousand little knick-knacks that accumulate in one's domicile and multiply like parasites all the flotsam and jetsam of housekeeping must be individually attended to and rejected or preserved piecemeal but that exciting decision it is not till one has actually had the courage to destroy some once prized possession that one feels the first inspiring thrill of emancipation before the thing owned you it had to be protected in its useless life kept intact with care and attention you were pledged to forestall dust rust and pillage 
if you yourself selected it it stood as a tangible evidence of your culture an ornament endorsed as art the thing forbade growth of taste or judgment it became a changeless reproach if it were a gift it ruled you with a subtle tyranny compelling your hypocrisy enslaving you by chains of your very good nature but if you do not falter in one exquisite pang you are freed the thing is destroyed not given away not hidden or disguised but murdered outright it is your sublime duty to yourself that demands the sacrifice these horrid monsters once put out of your life and all necessity for their care annulled you have so much more space for the few things whose quality remains permanent you will guard the entrance to your domicile and jealously examine the qualifications of every article admitted you will ask is it absolutely necessary if so then let it be as beautiful as possible putting into its perfection of design the expense and care formerly bestowed on a dozen trifles you will use gold instead of silver linen instead of cotton ivory in the place of celluloid in short whatever you use intimately and continually whatever has a definite plausible excuse for existence should be so beautiful that there is no need for objects which are merely ornamental it was so before machinery made everything possible common and cheap it has been so with every primitive civilization to the unspoiled peasant to all of sane and simple mind ornaments have in themselves no reason for being pictures are unnecessary because the true craftsman so elaborates and develops the constructive lines of his architecture that the decoration is organic and inherent the many household utensils vessels and implements of daily use were so appropriately formed so graceful and elegant in their simplicity so cunning of line so quaint of form and pleasant of colour that they were objects of art and there was no need for the extraneous display of meaningless adornment once you are possessed with this idea you will suddenly become aware of the tyranny of things and you will begin to dread becoming a slave to mere possessions you may still enjoy and admire the possessions of others but the ineffable bore of ownership will keep you content the responsibility of proprietorship will strike you with terror gifts will appall you the opportunity of ridding yourself of one more unnecessary thing will be welcomed as another stroke for freedom your friends houses will become your museums and they the altruistic custodians allowing you the unalloyed sweets of appreciation with none of the bitter responsibilities of possession for you if you are of my kind and would be free to fly light flitting gypsy fashion wherever and whenever the whim calls must not be anchored to an establishment we must know and love our few possessions as a father knows his children we must be able to pack them all in one box and follow them footloose this is the new order of friars minor modern paulists who have renounced the possession of things and by that vow of disinheritance parting with the paltry delights of monopoly have been given the roving privilege of the whole world essay fourteen costume and custom a friend of mine has reduced his habit of dress to a system 
dressing has long been known to be a fine art but this enthusiast's endeavor has been to make it a science as well to give his theories practical application to the routine of daily life to do this he has given his coats and jackets all anglo-saxon names his frock is called albert for instance his morning coat cedric a grey tweed jacket arthur and so on his waistcoats masquerade under more poetic pseudonyms a white piquet is known as reginald a spotted cashmere as montmorency and i have seen this eccentric in a wonderful plaid vest height ruhak his trousers and pantaloons are distinguished by family names i need only mention such remarkable aliases as braghampton a striped cheviot garment and a pair of tennis flannels denominated smithers his terminology includes also appellations by which he describes his neckwear simple prefixes such as de or von or mac or fitz modifying the name of the waistcoat and titles for his hats varying from a simple sir for a brown bowler to prince for a silk topper of the season's block now my mythical friend is not such a fool as you might think by this description of his mania for he is moved to this fantastic procedure by a psychological theory the gentleman is a private if not a public benefactor the joy of his friends and delight of his whole acquaintance for never in the course of their experience has he ever appeared twice in exactly the same costume it may differ from some previous habilitation only by the tint of his gloves but the change is there with its subtle suggestion of newness indeed this sartorial dilettante prides himself not so much upon the fact that his raiment is never duplicated in combination as that the changes are so slight as not to be noticed without careful analysis his maxim is that clothes should not call attention to themselves either by their splendor or their variety but that the effect should be upon the emotions rather than upon the eye he holds that it should never be particularly noticed whether a man dresses much or dresses well but that the impression should be of an immortal freshness sustaining the confidence of his friends that his garb shall have a pleasing note of composition it is to accomplish this that he has adopted the mnemonic system by which to remember his changeling combinations he has but to say to his valet muggins this morning you may introduce earl edgar von courtenay blankensop and his man familiar with the nomenclature of the wardrobe will after his master has been bathed shaved and breakfast clothe the artist accordingly in panama hat sack coat cheerful fawn waistcoat a tender heliotrope scarf and pin-check trousers or perhaps looking over the calendar the man may announce that this fantastic earl has already appeared at the club in which case a manipulation of the tie or waistcoat changes von courtenay to o Shanstruther. the earl must not according to the rules appear twice in his full complement of costume his existence is but for a day but anstruther the merry corduroy vest may become a part of many personalities so much for my friend rigmarole who does if you like carry his principles to an extreme but surely we owe it to our friends that our clothes shall please it is as necessary as that we should have clean faces and proper nails 
but more than this we owe it to ourselves that we shall not be known by any hackneyed unvarying garb it need not be taken for granted that we shall wear brown or blue we should not become identified with a special shape of collar servants must wear a prescribed livery priests must always appear clad in the cloth of their office and the soldier must be content with and proud of his uniform but free men are not forced to inflict a permanent visual impression upon their fellows he must follow the habit and style of the day be of his own class and period and yet besides if he can be himself always characteristic while always presenting a novel aspect it is as necessary for a man as for a woman and though the elements which he may combine are fewer they are capable of a certain kaleidoscopic effect our time is cursed more than any other has been perhaps with hard and fast rules for men's costume and for all clothing evening dress in which in the old days was granted the greatest freedom of choice is now subject to the most rigid prescription we must all appear like waiters at dinner but daylight allows tiny licenses perhaps our garments are always darkest just before the dawn and the new century may emancipate men's personal taste so far at least we may go a frock coat does not compel a tie of any particular colour and a morning coat does not invariably forbid a certain subdued animation in the way of waistcoats we may already choose between at least three styles of collar and yet be received at five o'clock and coloured shirts are making a hard fight to oust the white linen which has reigned for more than half a hundred years it takes no great wealth to take advantage of these minor opportunities nor need one be pronounced a fop if one uses one's chances well he is safest who wears only what the best tailor has advised every other of his customers but who cares for a tailor's model who cares i might add to be safe there is safety in numbers but whoever remembers or cares for the victims of such commonplace discretion we are men not mice why should our coats be all of the same fashionable hue and of the same length of tail but the times are changing and we may look forward with confident hope to the renaissance of colour already we may see the signs of the change that is approaching god forbid that men should become the dandies of the regency that we should ever ape the incredible or go without pockets but we may pray heartily for the wedding of art and reason let us pray we shall no more wear cylinders or cap our skulls with tight-fitting boxes meanwhile i fear we must buy another necktie for my only one is well worn out and celestine swears she can recognize that blue serge suit of mine clear across the park End of essay fourteen